0: Hey everyone, this is Patrick with the 307 RPG Podcast. And I just want to take a moment and say thank you to all of our amazing patrons. It's because of you that we're able to do the things that we do. If you like our show and you want to support us, you can find us on patreon.com/slash theforgeherald. Thanks everyone. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of the 307 RPG Podcast. My name is Patrick.
1: Hi, I'm Nolan.
0: Nolan, what is new? What's going on today? Tell us what you've done this weekend.
1: My entire weekend has been involved playing uh, eight hours of Lord of the Rings because I got addicted to a nice quest line uh, of helping Aragorn reforge Narsil. And all the adventures of a simple little, hey, go get this uh, lost magical item for me, turned into saving an entire region of the northern kingdom of Elindial, uh, from a bunch of tomb uh, robbers and, and the northern army of uh, Angmar and... Yeah, it was a really well done quest line. Uh, I did not expect to get hooked as I was. You know, I'm kind of in the low levels trying to catch up, and next thing I know, I'm on the edge of my seat for every quest and and going through an amazing ancient city or the ruins of it and the reason why it is. And yeah, it was it was a not very productive day except for I think the whole like quest line takes you from levels thirty to forty. Um, so I was productive in a different world, not just, uh, not, not in my home though.
0: That's too funny. You know, you, you talk about Angmar, you talk about Lord of the Rings, and this is something that people of the show know that you've played this game for a long time. And not only that, but you and I are very passionate about Lord of the Rings. And I, I can't help but think, especially when you mention Angmar. Have you? And I'm fairly certain you have. But did you look at the statues that that Weta Studios has done for like the Witch King and some of the Ring Wraiths?
1: Yeah, I. That's one of the. Uh, yeah, I'm very lucky that the game didn't come or the movie didn't come out at at this point in my life, uh, <laughs> where I can afford or justify a little bit more that I I need all that stuff because I would have all that stuff. They did such so a I'm, fantastic
0: I'm, job. I'm looking at the ringwraith. Now, these are miniature statues. And, and, and I know it's funny because this was not at all in our show notes, but I can't help but talk about these because these things are so incredible. And the dimensions on this is 4.5 inches wide by 5.9 inches tall by 4.5 inches in depth, I guess. Sure. Oh, my Standard. God. This thing is incredible. And it's only $79. Uh now I have my brother uh Dominic has actually purchased a a print from Weta Studios for me for Christmas uh of the two towers. And it's amazing. It's actually being framed right now. The work that these guys do, and this isn't really for Nolan, this is more for everybody else if you haven't looked at Weta before. Oh my god, it's incredible. And this, I'm looking at this ring dude. Oh wow.
1: They keep coming out with really cool things, too. You know, some of that stuff is really hard to get. Not everybody, you know, needs an $800 statue. Sometimes you'd like it. Um, but their mini sure. epic series is really fun. It's kind of uh, a little more comic. Uh, and they're about 30 40 bucks. Uh I Unless you're getting the Balrog, because it's 100 Nice. <laughs> I Yeah, I always wanted a, a scene or something like that in my home or set up a little place with those things. But... Again, you know, you have a couple of kids, and next thing you know, you got nine, ten swords sitting in the closet, never coming out. You kind of realize maybe
0: I don't need to hang anymore on the wall. Well, again, these mini statues, there's one of the, the two that I'm looking at in particular that I think are just phenomenal are the Ring Wraith and Gandalf. Now, all of these are amazing, like the original Bilbo Baggins. And, uh you know, especially this one kind of hits you a little bit, especially with Ian Holm just dying. Um, but, yeah, God, these are amazing,
1: yeah, they do they do good work. I know nice. when they uh I was gonna say the what is it the appendices that they had for the movies when they came out, it was. There was a whole section on them making that, and the detail that went into it, and you got to see the whole the whole process, and, and and the actors actually coming in from a shoot and being like, "Hey, I know you had a long day. Do you mind sitting for a little bit so we can make sure we get it right?" Um, and so I know, like the some of the stuff with Aragorn has, like even just like the Urukai blood that he had like across his hands made it to the statue because that's how they had filmed it that day. Wow. Everybody yeah, was really a part of it. It's cool.
0: I cannot recommend enough that people go and look at this stuff, um and just even if it's just just to take a look, because and and Nolan and I have spent a lot of time looking at this website. But like you know, I was talking about the print that Dom got me the the Argonauth Pillars of the King. Mm. Have you seen that print? Nolan? Yeah, because I yeah. know that's what well, that's one that you really like. So and even the Sunrise upon Eterus, it's just. Wow. And and I really, I like, I like the, the Witch King. I like the Witch King of Angmar. I think it's a, a, just a cool character. Um, so I always look for stuff about the Witch King. And there's some neat stuff. Anyway, I'm way off topic. Yeah, we'll tangent. (laughs) All right, focus. Sorry about that. Focus. Okay, so my weekend was not quite as productive as yours when it comes to gaming. uh, And that's because I spent the, well, most of yesterday playing disc golf with my oldest son. So it was a very productive day in that sense. Now, we were out and about because my wife was taking a test. And the last time she took a test, our St. Bernard was incredibly distractive. He was whining at her. He was walking around. He actually bumped her camera a couple times. To the point where the proctor made her stop the test and scan the room to prove that nobody was there. So we had an agreement that the next time she took a test, I took the dog and we left. So we nice. went out and played around a round of disc golf, which is a lot of fun. Vincent almost had a hole in one. It just binged off the top of the basket and went flying, which it was so cool to see. And just to look on his face as the Frisbee was getting so close to dropping in. Um, so we had a lot of fun it was good to get out and just do that he was struggling a little bit near the end of the game which i thought was kind of funny especially in the last hole he did end up hitting a long putt and we we were like hey way to go dude good job he goes hey you know what i feel like i won the day because i just found 20 bucks on the ground nice (laughs) so we got a good chuckle out of that and he went and bought himself a drink and bought the dog some water because it was hot as hell out yesterday it was
1: it was a warm day
0: Yeah, it was, and there's a nice creek that runs through that park, so you have a couple of water hazards, and I had a hard time getting the dog out of the creek. He just, he laid down and would not move.
1: This is home now.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Our topic for today's show, Nolan and I are going to be discussing our top two favorite Dungeons & Dragons campaign settings. But before we do that, we're going to take a look at the news, of which there's really not a lot. Uh, For Dungeons & Dragons, of course, everything was really last week with D&D Live. Uh, Tons of stuff was spoiled. We got the new adventure, Icewind Dale, Rime of the Frost Queen, uh, a cookbook, and some cool ancillary ancillary products. So be sure to check those out. I have a link in the show notes. Uh, I know Wizards of the Coast was raising money for, uh, was it, the Red Nose Charity, but I didn't quite hear how much they raise. I I, I
1: never did see the final numbers.
0: Yeah, I, I didn't either. And I looked yesterday, so... Um, I did see that there's something about D&D was making a matching $250,000 donation. So if that's the case, we can at least assume that between that and what other people put in, that they raised about half a million dollars, which is incredible.
1: Yeah, good deal.
0: Yeah. Uh, other than that, I don't see a whole lot of stuff for d d Was there any new UAs or anything, Nolan?
1: I didn't see anything last week. Uh, I'm trying to think. I again same thing i think everything was all about the uh the ram and the frostman
0: yeah i i will tell you and and yeah it's frost maiden not frost queen I, get, I always get that wrong i'm excited for this book and this is probably the most excited i've been for a dnd book in a while and i think it's mostly because it hits me in that nostalgia because this is you know forgotten realms with um uh, Drizzt Do'Urden, and in the crystal shard is really what kind of drew me into D and D. So it's really kind of hit me in that, that nostalgia to the point that we're getting the old band back together.
1: Looking forward to playing it, uh, trying to come up with characters again, disappointed. It's only going to be through 12, but usually we kind of break off early and do our own tangents anyway. So I don't know why I get yeah. worried about that kind of thing. So, yeah, I, I, am looking forward to, uh, exploring the area as well. Um, I, we keep talking about like, you know, one day, you know, maybe it's one of the things of like they've announced, Hey, guess what? 6.0 is coming out and you know, a year and a half or whatever. Okay. Let's take all these books. We have, we have Cholt, we have Waterdeep, we have Baldur's Gate. Now we are going to have the North. Uh, you know, we've got all this stuff to really make, a. a a massive adventure that's going on through the whole world. And we understand the cities better. Let's just drop people down in a place and play a big game, do it till yeah. it dies. And when it's done, let's blow up forgotten realms or call it the cataclysm or whatever, you know, Deathwing's <laughs> coming from wow. And, but you would have oh, something WoW. of like, everybody's just like, you know, you have, you would have everything. Your adventured party is like, well, I guess we're going South today. And you're not like, well, you can't go South. I don't have anything written for South. Like, well, fine. Guess what? You're in Chult. We know Chult. Let's go.
0: Hey, guess what? You just pulled into the port of Nainzaru, and there's a giant turtle dragon that wants to fight you. <laughs> Heck yeah, it's the best part of that place. And I, one of the things I'm excited about with Rime of the Frostmate, of course, as they do, um, the Adventure League stuff is going to come out. And Nolan and I have talked often about, you know, it'd be really cool to get the book and then get all the Adventure League stuff that goes along with it and play those all together. And that's my goal for this campaign. I'm usually the DM for these things, so I... And and I think it's a fantastic idea. So I, I, that's just what we're going to do. Nolan, we're just going to get the AEL stuff as well as the book. And we're just going to make this our ed, ed, epic Northern adventure.
1: Yeah. I, I, I'm down with it. We've enjoyed them in the past too. They've done a really good job. Uh, it's, it's nice when they're easy to digest. What we played, I think we played Tomb of Annihilation that way where we kind of started. It gave us an ability to be familiar with the city right. before it started. And, Nothing against uh, Tomb of Annihilation or anything like that. But that was a fun part, exploring that city.
0: Uh, Well, and it gave us a chance to develop our characters before we dove into the adventure. Now, ultimately, we ended up having almost a a total party killed. (laughs)
1: That's beside the point.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But that was actually when we started the book. Um, But we were able to, I mean, we could have actually stayed in Port Nianzaru for a while because you guys were developing relationships with uh, NPCs that were fairly minor, but you made a big deal, which pushed me to create more for those NPCs and allowed you guys just to have this really epic campaign within the city itself.
1: It makes for a, a nice home base. I think if people have stuff invested in the area around them, we saw that with Water's Deep. They did a good job of kind of making it personal rebuilding the inn. You know, our, our group took to that pretty well, uh, meeting the factions. Um, yeah. And then, you know, we've been playing through some of the AL stuff with uh, Descent into Avernus without actually playing the book. And yep. again, kind of getting a vested interest in like, what the heck is going on and, and and just kind of being unwittingly like wrapped up in, well, this is happening. This is weird. Let's help some people pissing off the wrong people. And all of a sudden we have enemies that we don't even know who they are. And so uh, the AL stuff is nice, nice way to play the game and also just a nice filler if you need it because they're well written.
0: So let's talk about, because that's really all there is for for Dungeons & Dragons, so let's move on down to Onyx Path. Of course, Legend Lore is still rolling on Kickstarter. I do believe there's just a couple of days left on that one. They are unlocking stretch goals. It's a little bit slower campaign than uh, some of the other stuff that they've had, but Legend Lore is not very well known. It is funded, though, so if that's something you want to check out, make sure you head over there at Kickstarter and give that one a look. Other things that apparently... I don't know the details on this, so if you guys want to look into it, great, go for it. I just happened to notice it yesterday when I was putting the show notes together that apparently there's some issues with Matt uh, McElroy uh, as as well as Shane DeVries. Now, Matt McElroy works for Onyx Path. Uh, I don't want to go into details because I don't know exactly what happened. Uh, So it looks like there were some complaints filed against him. And Shane DeVries, I did a little bit of looking on this. This is, I believe, a model. That Onyx Path used as their LaSombre model in uh V20 as well as Lore of the Clans. And apparently he's being accused of raping women. If I if I read that correctly. And listen, guys, I don't know anything about this. I have a link to, to the article in the show notes. So if you want to check that out, go for it. Nolan, do you I don't think you've heard anything about this either, have you?
1: I read I read a brief statement on what they put out, uh kind of like you were saying. Uh Looks like they're taking care of it, they're fact finding and getting all the information. And that's all you can't do. It's mm-hmm. hope hope for the best. And if it's the worst, then they handle it so. So Right.
0: Yep. Uh so new things for the Onyx Path this week include the next installment of Scarred Lands Visual Watch. This time they're looking at the Leone. I didn't see, there was some some stuff for Scion, but it was just digital stuff. It was like digital uh, wallpaper as well as the digital uh, storyteller screen. So that was all I saw when it came to new stuff. Now, if you were a backer of the Contagion Chronicle for Chronicles of Darkness, you should have received an email this week with a link to the PDF of the book. This, of course, means we're getting closer and closer to the book actually being printed and shipped. Speaking of printed and shipped, if you were a backer of they came from beneath the sea, I noticed in the Monday morning or the Monday meeting notes that they came from has been at the press for a while. It looks like they're having to do some color correction. Now this happens when it comes to this type of printing. Uh, as someone who is in newspaper for a long time and did several projects with magazines, sometimes you just have, there's just issues and you have to correct certain color. Uh, I know we always had color issues with our black that we always had to fix. So it looks like they're going to be getting that fixed. I would imagine we're going to see that within the next few weeks that that book is shipping. And I'm really looking forward. We're going to have to have D&D going, Nolan, and then do a like a one or two shot of uh, They Came From Beneath the Sea just to try that one out.
1: It'll depend on when it comes out because we got some time before the big campaign and... And again, yeah, summer is kind of an awkward time as well, so it, it it might happen more often of who we can get together that week.
0: And that's true. And summer, like, oh my gosh, I, I wonder if everybody has this issue. I mean, I know for us, we, uh, people are traveling, people are out playing baseball with their kids. In, in Nolan's case, um, or in my case, I just seem to always have something going on. Summer is difficult to get stuff done, but... Uh, of course it makes sense we live in the frozen north and <laughs> come wintertime we don't want to go outside
1: <laughs> right i yeah i suppose if we could do stuff uh year-round it might be different so
0: uh, i don't know we're still having fun we're still playing whenever we can so uh over at modiphius there was a new art book for conan called the art of conan uh, keep in mind, this is, although it's listed as a source book, there are no rules for gameplay in this book. It is strictly an art book. Now, I happen to see the artwork that's in this book, and wow, it looks great. It looks very Conan. Uh, and I recommend you check it out on the vs website. I do have a link in the show notes for that.
1: That <laughs> is something that I like. I, I love art books. I love the inspiration. It's yeah. one of my favorite things, yeah. It's actually what got me into... Uh, side tangent here i started uh with conan uh trading cards before i got into magic cards uh, oh yeah okay because i liked doing i like the art and that's what it was is like i would take them and i would use them for reference points because there was no you know what dial-up internet you know you couldn't just google fantasy art or anything like that so i bought the playing cards and have stacks of that kind of stuff at home so i could draw uh, for class
0: so, Nolan, if you're interested in those, <laughs> I know that down at the Sports Alley, Mike has a box him. of <laughs>
1: I've <have> seen them.
0: <laughs> I tell you, because I, I used to buy those too. Like, Brom used to have some. Uh, you used to be able to get Boris Vallejo cards. Uh, and I really like that style of art. So I would pick those up all the time. And I have... Looked at that box there that sports out like that, and the uh Lady Death trading cards, and I'm just like, mm, should I, I buy use this these? in my life <laughs> yeah I, and, and I can't there's no reason for me to have these, and even the Star Trek trading cards that he has down there, I'm just like, oh, I should buy those too. There's no reason for it, but I think I need,
1: them. <laughs> yeah, you'd rather have a witch king uh statue
0: damn it, you're right <laughs> priorities um, man. priorities yeah, exactly. <laughs> So we have come to our topic of the night, and for our topic of the night, like I said earlier, Nolan and I will be discussing our favorite campaign settings for Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, I don't know. I I think we've both chosen two. I have no idea what Nolan's chosen. Uh, he knows what I chose only because I sent him the show notes. So, Nolan, who who do you want to go first? uh
1: How about you start, and then I'll go, and then.
0: Okay, we'll just take I turns.
1: Can, yeah, and then I can go again, and you can finish.
0: Perfect. Okay. So my first one is Ravenloft, Realm of Terror. Now, I first learned of Ravenloft, and it really shouldn't be a surprise to anybody that I chose Ravenloft. Uh, I first learned of Ravenloft when I read the book Eistrad, uh, which was followed by Night of the Black Rose. Both, of course, are set in Ravenloft, and it quickly became my favorite campaign setting. Before that, it was Dragonlance. I loved Dragonlance. I thought it was amazing. Ravenloft is very well known, especially in the current D&D universe with Curse of Strahd for 5th edition. But in 1990, it wasn't as, well, at least I wasn't as familiar with it. Of course, I had heard of it, but nothing to the level of, well, Realm of Terror. Uh, this could be because the comic shop that I that I bought my stuff from was a smaller, smaller store. They didn't carry a massive supply of Dungeons & Dragons books as they catered to a lot of games. When I saw the Realm of Terror box set, this was probably my first true introduction to the demiplane. So I picked it up. I just remember buying it. I think it was like a week or two later that I found I Strahd at Walden Books. So I'm really dating myself here. And I picked it up just as excited as I was to buy the Realm of Terror because I wasn't I, you know, had flipped through the books and seen these cards because it had art cards in it of this vampire carrying this woman very tropey. And I realized that this was Strahd von Zerovik. So I was really excited to read the book. Anyway, I just remember being very excited to play this through this because we, part of the reason we, I want, so I decided to check out Ravenloft because I had read Eistrad and um, Night of the Black Rose and understood the myths, because I wanted to try to figure out a way to get our players from Oerth to Forgotten Realms. We couldn't get a lot of stuff for Greyhawk from our comic shop. There was a couple things, but we were tired of just playing lower level stuff as we are today in our own groups. So we wanted to figure out a way to get to Forgotten Realms because they carried more for Forgotten Realms. So my thought was this would be a great idea to transition into Ravenloft, play a little bit there, and then transition over to Forgotten Realms. So, and that's exactly how we used it. Now the box itself was it included the adventure book, the campaign guide. There were some art cards. Uh, there was maps, foldable maps, and then I believe there was these castles that you could build. I don't believe we ever did that, but I want to say that that was in there. they were like cardstock castles. Uh, I want to say the book or the box set came with a twenty-five dollar price tag. I don't remember exactly how much it was because it was a long time ago. And we just we had a lot of fun. It was really neat to try horror aspect versus high fa- well, horror in a high fantasy setting versus just playing fantasy, and it was a very very fun adventure for us to play. So that's my first one, Ravenloft: Realms of Terror.
1: Let's see. For me, my biggest campaign, and it might be just one of the one of the ones that remembered actually ended up being in. Uh what was the remake? Uh Hidden not that we just call it Hidden Train of Tamashan, but what was the name of the the book?
0: Uh Tales from the Yawning Portal.
1: Tales from the Yawning Portal, yeah. And I think uh so it was called Forge of Fury. Um and we played it briefly and then another kind of one of those awkward everybody tried to kill themselves or the party tried to kill themselves, I guess. Or was half that- the party killed themselves because of mushrooms. And, uh, yes <laughs> anyway, yeah, so with that one there, uh, you were kind of tasked with uh basically, there was a this old kind of mine that had some dwarven features in it, some weapons somebody sends you in to grab them. They give you a bounty for it. Uh, while you're there, you kind of realize that some orcs are trying to take over the area and get it as well. And so you're kind of in a race to get what you can, get out um we didn't get that far in in our fifth edition playtest but the thing that i remember most about it was just kind of the the final conclusion fight and for us when you get to the very bottom of this forge there is a lake that is stacked with treasure guarded by a black dragon and i just remember that uh for me it was one of those things if i played a monk in that edition how they were super athletic didn't have a lot of uh i don't know didn't have a lot of punching power until you got some magical items and that kind of stuff but during this fight it the dragon came up out of the waters we got close to it it dropped a conal attack on the whole group uh took out a ton of people right at the start um and it was just one of those things of, like, I remember the fight being long. We we battled back. It got to a point where it was running. Um, and I got to drink a potion of uh, uh, water breathing. And, like, I had a scroll of, like, swim speed or something like that and chased it down into its lair underground and fought and actually killed it. But it was just one of those ones of I don't think we knew, you know, at that time period. Like, it was, it was nice being so – new and fresh uh, i think we'd played through the sunless citadel and then moved into this and kind of had just been one of those you know we played this from one to three then we played this three to five and and had no idea that it was really like a campaign setting didn't realize that it was you know the dm you know kind of running off of this book and just was part of a great story that turned into the next the next thing my My other area, I would say as far as that goes, is probably more tied to uh, Baldur's Gate Shadows of Om, the game, uh, because it was just kind of another one of those. That's probably my first introduction into Forgotten Realms. Uh, A lot of the stories that we we play now are from that region, Um, but back in the day that didn't seem to be how it went so it was it was just kind of a generic world and so actually getting to play that shadows of om uh, saga and campaign and then coming into fifth edition and actually being in failure full time um i i really enjoy it uh there's parts of it that are tough to deal with after reading a lot of the books in time you know just because you it's really hard to make it your own when it's done so well um but I, I don't know I, When I was thinking about uh, the best campaigns and stuff like that. I kept thinking about like, you know, some of the some of the stuff I have more regrets now of being a bad player than <laughs> than uh, what, you know, wasted potential. You know, playing the when we first came back, we with you guys, we played Strahd um, and I played a paladin and it was it's really depressing being a paladin in Barovia. Uh, there's there's no hope there's nothing there and and it really drained on my character I was like well I can't do anything that I want to do I didn't expect this type of thing um, and instead of embracing that and just letting the I had this idea of what I wanted to play and that that was what I was in the mood for um, if I was the player I am today it seems like such a fun challenge um, to be in that situation with a air quotes good character and the potential for them to fall or rise above like the challenge would have been uh, so fantastic and so i think that was kind of my other one that stood out as a memorable campaign just because of lack of uh lack of or regret maybe of what could have been
0: sure You know, and I think about the Strahd campaign uh, when we because that was really all of us coming back to Dungeons and Dragons or and for some people, their first introduction to Dungeons and Dragons in case of in the case of John. Well, Uh, I think
1: for us, it was that was our first 5e for everybody.
0: Yeah, it absolutely was. And I had not been a DM for such a long time that it was like starting all over and you know before when i was dming i knew the rules i could you know could tell you exact page numbers in the books uh things like that to reference rules i was not that way at all because we were all just like yeah let's play let's play let's play let's play mm-hmm. and so i have a lot of regrets of curse of Strahd because it was it is one of my favorite realms and knowing the frustrations that both you and i had um with each other and even you know with characters within the game because you and i talk quite a bit about this even mm-hmm. dur- while we were playing so and, and understand no one and i get irritated with each other in game but usually him and i talk it out uh afterwards or even sometimes during the game and we always you know maybe it's not a okay i agree 100 percent, but we at least see each other's side we're able to work things out and talk through these things um and there was a lot of going back and forth for the two of us for that campaign especially with him playing a paladin me trying to make things really dark there was a lot of mistakes made by both of us that had we been the players and dms we are today i think that campaign would have been so much better
1: yeah the the, the potential for like i said the, the potential for falling and you know i don't know I, I think some of the stuff we learned out of that was uh how how important a session zero is um yes getting an idea of of what you're walking into and creating a character kind of you know i don't <clears throat> i don't want spoilers of what we're doing but you know we were we were talking about playing avernus or not avernus we were talking about playing uh Uh, frost you know, and Zach made the joke of being a blizzard wizard and it's like I know he was being sarcastic about it but like the first thing I hit was like oh my gosh this this reminds me of uh, you know our fire sorcerer being in hell or you know hey I I'm a blizzard wizard I do just frost magic and we're going to go be in a place where everything is resistant or immune to frost and it's like I just had those cringes of like, this is why we talk about it. Like, this is you're an adventurer going to the north. Plan accordingly. Like, that's uh, let me get you there. Listen, you're you're a uh, you're being a, a very lawful, good, noble, hoorah, dumb paladin. There's no hope in this place. You will not get through to people. Make sure that's part of your struggle because there, it, it's not a place of it's not me being a jerk. It's not being this is a bad place. Good luck <laughs> if you still yeah. want to do it. Go nuts, but you've been forewarned and and. So yeah, it, I think that's where it stands out for me is probably that that first foray of Stroud as well of from a player standpoint of um, that campaign uh, and 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 I think every campaign you do makes you a little bit better as a player. You come through, um, you know it. It's also a completely different time period too because there was a lot of magic shenanigans and stuff like that from three point five and and five e is very much not it. Um, so I, I don't know. I can I can rant for a while. But um, yeah. the uh, I, I did have a third one, um, and it was oh, just from okay. a standpoint of um, – there was a book in 3.5 called The Red Hand of Doom. And uh, this one stands out for me because it was the – I'd always played the adventures that were – follow the page number. You know, here's what happens and this happens and this happens and you're along for the ride of the story. Uh, the red hand of doom is dealing with uh, your adventures get to, a, they encounter like, gosh, it's been forever. But anyway, so you, you encounter a, an orc group or a raiding party. And it's like, this is really weird. These aren't the orcs necessarily from this area. Um, so you, when you get to the town, you do that, you kind of get there and you realize, Hey, this is going on. And and these people are here and we found this, it was like a orc runner and here's the message. And they're like that doesn't sound right we don't recognize this name do you mind checking it out what you don't know as a player is from that moment on the clock starts and the red hand of doom is this invading army that is on its way and it is going to wipe out town after town after town before it finally gets to its destination and depending on your actions your speed uh what you do depends on how much time who survives how it survives you know so it was one of the first games where i was just like It, it, okay, you're camping in the dungeon. You rest eight hours, no big deal. Here, the time actually mattered. So, if you blew it off or whatever, and those orc messengers get through, you know, the army gets there in three more days or three days faster. If you don't investigate, if you don't slow down, you know, they're there now uh, six days faster. Uh, On day seven, they attack, and the people, you you did everything wrong. You're ambushed in the middle Mm -hmm. of the night. Everybody in that town dies. and you have a, you know, a couple days where you're running through the woods for your life trying to get the next town. You do everything right. The the army is delayed by two weeks. They get to that town. It's completely abandoned. You've set up traps. You know, they've had another five days. So you can, you can either push that campaign out to where in, in three weeks they wipe out the, the entire, you know, sword coast or whatever, or you do everything right. And by the time they finally get to the spot, uh, there's a giant army from Waterdeep waiting for them and your, you know, backdoor and amb- ambushing the leader of the army while everything you know so you could do everything right you could do everything wrong and it was just one of those campaigns it like wow there needs to be something happening at all the time in the background that the players don't know about you there needs to be consequences for each action it's like you didn't do this so-and-so got sick in this x town okay when you get there this npc is a little grumpy because the medicine didn't get through because they lost their daughter and they're going to be not necessarily hostile towards the the players but Um, if you guys wouldn't have dinked around or if you wouldn't have gotten wasted for three days partying with the elves you would have got here in time to save his daughter and he would have been more helpful or you know so it just really supplanted that thing of the world is living um it doesn't just revolve around you and your bubble
0: Ah, that's that's cool i i was not familiar with that that adventure at all so very cool well i only have two it was just kind of one of those
1: things i had i had two good ones that set me up and one kind of regret that i wanted to talk about because it wasn't really it wasn't a campaign setting it was just uh it, it was something i remembered so
0: perfect so my next one is the ruins of mythdrainer and i specifically chose the two that i did in this order because that's actually how years ago when we played this is the order that we played them in because Ruins of Myth mythdrainer takes place in the forgotten realms and we had gone from Oworth to ravenloft into forgotten realms uh so the Ruins Myth Drainer is a second edition box set set, like I said, in the Forgotten Realms. Myth Drainer was a large city that was inhabited by all different types of races, and as the story goes, the city was eventually overwhelmed by evil and left in ruin. Tales of mystery and magic surround the ruins and offer temptations for adventurers seeking their fortune. So (laughs) this is one of those when we transitioned to Forgotten Realms. We eventually set up camp in Waterdeep because I've always been fascinated by the city of Waterdeep because it's just a neat city. And so for me, especially when we came back to 5th edition, I remember you and I having this this discussion where for you, Forgotten Realms is really Baldur's Gate. That was like the main city. And for me, it was Waterdeep. Waterdeep was like the shining jewel for me, and that's where everything took place. And Baldur's Gate, in in my timeline, came out later, and it was just a second-class city, and, and vice versa. Baldur's Gate was your shining gem, where Waterdeep was like, eh, what the hell is this city? So, we started in, in Waterdeep, we learned air quotes here through whatever reasons uh, about this ancient city called Myth Drannor that had all sorts of treasures and encounters and and just meet stuff and we eventually tra- you know made the quest to go to Mithranor to seek our fame and fortune and this was the first Monty Hall style campaign that i had played in and i'd never heard of a Monty Hall style campaign my friend Harold kept telling me that this was what it was and of course this is the kind of story that a Monty Hall campaign is that such that you're going to get tons of cool stuff you're going to get treasures and magical items and i just remember that this book the, the campaign setting, the treasure tables were so lush. Like, you'd roll a, a dice to sit, figure out what you want, and of course the, the 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 winning one was uh hey, good job, roll on this table twice. Okay, cool, you roll there, you get something cool, you roll again. Hey, good job, roll on this table twice. And it's like, holy shit, we just killed an orc and he dropped five magical swords. This is amazing! <laughs> of course, couldn't use any of them, but hey, it was still pretty cool. Um, and the dungeons were set up really well. And and the final boss, kind of like what you said in Forge of Fury, Nolan, if I remember correctly, was a red dragon. And this was our first encounter with a red dragon or a dragon at all, because, well, we were afraid of dragons, you know. Even as, the, as a player and, and a DM, I was like, well, I don't want to throw a dragon at you guys. It'll kill you. And here it was. Here was this, this venerable red dragon that our party had to fight. And there was four of us in the party and it went well i mean there was definitely some clutch moments where it's like oh shit we're gonna die and as a result actually one of our players did die and none of us were playing it we had a, a ranger a th- swashbuckler thief um a gladiator and uh, a samurai because he was playing in um he was using the fighter kit book so we had a gladiator and a samurai we had no magic users so we had no healers or anything, so. If one of us died in AD&D rules, by the time you were able to travel back, you were gone. There's just nothing left. That's it. Oh, that was the first time we'd ever dealt with a character death as well. Now, we obviously went on to deal with more character deaths. One of them died because he was just being an asshole and he had a heart attack. And that was the end of that character. Um, (laughs) Nice. Yeah, and amazingly, I still play with this person. It's my brother, Dom, and he's much better. Than, well, he's better than he was. We've definitely dealt with some other issues with Dom. I'm like, Dom, what are you doing? And then we find out his character was suicidal the whole time. And we're like, oh, well, that makes sense. That nah, adds up. <laughs> exactly. Um, So this box set contained the adventure book, the campaign guidebook, maps, monster cards, and accessory sheets. And again, I want to say it costs around $25 back in 1993. It was a lot of fun. We just had a ton of fun playing in that one. So much so that when uh, The Lost Tales of Myth Dranner came out, I believe that was for Comic-Con or something like that. Maybe it was Gen Con. I can't remember what. Uh, it was a special release that I was, I don't know if you remember, Nolan, I was kind of all excited. I had to get this book because it was Myth Dranner, And I was able to find the book on eBay and we still haven't messed with it.
1: Yes, we need more time. <laughs>
0: we do it just sits on the shelf i actually need to pull that book down and read through it because i just i do i love myth Dranner and it's it's definitely the nostalgia which is why when we first started back into uh dnd i chose curse of Strahd as our first one which probably wasn't the best decision but it's again it was that nostalgia it was something i really loved and i thought i wanted to share this love with everybody else and yeah so those are mine I just, I just chose two. I could go on, and Nolan and I could go on forever about the different adventures that we've played in. Um, I know we both have some that we liked better than others. Uh, I really enjoyed and and I know people have complained about it, but I really enjoyed Waterdeep Dragon Heist. I liked, like you said, the idea of having this in that the players had to build up. There was just some really funny moments um, with Dervar kicking down Tally's door all the time to make sure the neighbor was safe. You guys became invested in the little neighborhood that you created and, and had, you know, the neighbors knew who you were, whether they liked you or not. I mean, there's this whole, why are you bathing in my drinking water? Why are you drinking my bath water situation? Um, so water deep dragon heist is definitely in my top five i again i know people have complained about how that book was written but for me it wasn't necessarily the book itself and how it was written it was watching you guys as players nolan and seeing because there was just a lot of fun times with with that with those characters in particular
1: i think that's the the big thing that i've taken away from some of the stuff is uh it could be the best campaign or the thing that you're most excited for. And again, it's, it ends up being the people that make it. It's, uh, you know, we did, we did scarred lands and I really like that setting. It's one of my favorite settings. Uh, we did, um, vengeance shunned and it was, it was, it was good. It was, I, I have issues with, uh, um, I think how fast it got for us, you know, it was one of those things. And I think that's where it is, is like, I really like the world. I like everything about the world. I would do Vengeance of the Shund again, um, but the the pace and the, it was very high combat. And, you know, I mean, it was, it was one of those things of, I kind of wanted to just stay there for a while. Um, when we played the, uh, the little book that
0: started it, I can't remember Spirit what it was of, called. Gauntlet of Spirit Ghosts.
1: Yeah. You know, kind of the same thing. It, it didn't feel, you know, we were just kind of doing our own thing and we were able to half what around And I, again, that's not a fault of the book or anything like that. I think once you get to those higher levels, the, the scale of what you're fighting is so high that it has to be something that you can't just ignore for a night in the tavern or, you know, that's just one of those things. This is world ending. We have to focus up. We can't just be level four adventurers anymore. Seeing what happens, caring about loot and plunder, you know? So right. I think that's kind of one of those things. And maybe that's why D and D does what they do with all the books now are, you know, capping out at level 12. Cause after that, the stuff you fight gets pretty heavy. So, um,
0: it does. And and the unfortunate thing, especially when it comes to Dungeons of the Mad Mage, is that it does get oppressive, in my opinion, when you're stuck in a dungeon, and the players begin to feel it, and it, and it almost becomes a drag when you know you're going to sit down and you're still in the dungeon. You don't, and even though you're making progress to the dungeon, it doesn't feel like things change. Where like. In an outdoor setting, it's like okay, I'm in the city, but now I'm going to travel a couple of days, and we're going to go into this forest, and suddenly we're in a deep forest where there's all sorts of weird things happening. Here, there's a way out. I know that I can back out of here and get back out of the deep forest, and things aren't weird anymore. With a dungeon, you just don't feel like there's ever a break. It's just constant.
1: Ugh. Yeah, they they can go too long, and I and I think it depends on the group too. I mean, that's it one does. of those. Uh... If you've got a group of people that sits down and really wants to do that and they enjoy traps and, and puzzles and, and the ever ending long dark of search and paranoia, then yeah, I think it works. But like you said, uh, two, three weeks of it, that's plenty.
0: Yeah, I think it begins to wear on you pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So so these these are the ones that we came up with. These are the ones that we had fun with or at least nostalgically had fun with. Um, I think it's interesting when the two of us talk because, like, some of the stuff you chose, those were all third edition, weren't they, Nolan?
1: Uh, yeah, uh, I think that was. And, you know, and I think when we talk about part of that, there was like the campaign setting. Everything we've gotten so far for fifth edition has really just been forgotten realms. Yes. And, and, and that's kind of the interesting thing of, you know, I didn't, I didn't get to play a lot. We haven't played a lot. We haven't messed with Eberron, uh, you know, for me it's like I really like the Forgotten Realms book, but everything's been in Forgotten Realms campaign setting. So
0: I like Forgotten Realms. It is one of my favorite DD settings, but there are some really cool D- D- DD dnd settings that I'm hoping that they explore. Um I for some reason I'm drawing a blank. Oh, Dark Sun. Dark Sun was a fantastic DD setting that I got to play with just a little bit when it first came out. Had a lot of fun with it. Um I've never was super interested in Spelljammer, but I think I would try it now. And, and of course, just, well, Dragonlance. Dragonlance is an awesome campaign setting that we've never... I don't really think there was a whole lot for Dragonlance even before.
1: Yeah, there was one campaign where you actually play through the story itself. Um,
0: well, that's cool.
1: And, and I think it was 3rd Edition 3.5 that I got to play a little bit. But it does. It very much follows the book of you start in the town, people are seeking the staff, you're hiding the staff, you're trying to bring back the gods. Uh, you kind of have to have a cleric druid-esque person in the group to sure. bring back magic and kind of be the focal point. But yeah, you played through the story that they played through then wrote the books about. So
0: Gotcha. And the, I really like those books. So mm-hmm. Well, that's all I have for this week. Nolan, do you have anything else?
1: I don't. It is a fairly quiet week. I know we've are working on some stuff for uh, next month as far as trying to get back to kind of a theme or something that we're talking about. Um, The summer's just been kind of weird with everything going on and trying to narrow that down, line up some stuff. So hopefully have a, a good announcement going forward next week.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this. This is kind of fun to do these where we get to sit back and, and reflect on some of the stuff that we enjoyed about the games that we play, especially when it comes to D&D, because both of us have such a rich history with that game. It's nice to talk about these different campaign settings or just different ideas. And this is actually this idea came from I put out a request on Twitter to talk to people about it. And I forget who it was, but we had one of our followers on Twitter mentioned, hey, you guys should do this. So uh, it was a great idea and I'm really glad we did it. Um, not sure what we're going to do next week. I think we're going to probably be sticking with the D&D theme for next week. Uh, maybe that'll just be our theme for the next couple of weeks. So we'll just talk about different D&D stuff. That way we stay thematic. I don't know.
1: <laughs> we're making it up as we go right now.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, Nolan, we have reached the point of this show where if people would like to get a hold of you, how can they do it?
1: Uh, I'm on Twitter at NLemires.
0: And of course, I'm Patrick, and I am on Twitter at 307RPG and just about all social media at 307RPG. If you guys have ideas or suggestions for the show, if there's something you'd like to hear us talk about, please drop us a line. Either of us, we are happy to listen to you, find out what you wanted to you know want to hear. Uh, we do enjoy this show. It's very cathartic for us, so we like hearing other ideas to give us ideas. Uh, other than that, if you do enjoy the show, please take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Those reviews are huge for us. They help us so much uh, because it helps elevate our status within iTunes to get other people learning about our show. Uh, We have people all over the world who listen to us, which blows me away. I can't believe anybody finds you and I interesting enough to listen to on a weekly basis, but they do. We'll (laughs) take it. We really appreciate it. So uh, other than that, I don't have anything else. So thanks for listening, everybody. Bye.